Bible understands human nature and it, it confines the enjoyment of sex in the bounds of marriage. And in the beginning, it's just man and woman for life. That's why in the New Testament, when the Pharisees were asking Jesus about issues of marriage, divorce, and remarriage, Jesus said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then he said, What God had joined together, let no man separate. The Jews look upon parenthood as stewardship before God, and this was true especially in the case of Jacob, whose descendants would multiply as the sands of the seashore. God would honor Jacob by making his sons the 12 tribes of Israel. But here's the complication. The fact that four different women were involved in the building of the family of Jacob created one problem after another. It became complicated. The man who grew up in a competitive and divided family himself formed his own competitive and divided family. An interesting between an interesting thing between the contest between Leah and Rachel, two things. First, Jacob allowed it to go on. Maybe he played along with it. Now imagine two girls fighting for you. Yeah. Uh, he played with it. He, either he, he allowed it or he enjoyed it. We don't know. Second, but women tag God along in their contest. Why did I say that? They involved the Lord in naming their children. Uh, the names the two sisters gave their children and their servants' children reflect their competition and their recognition of God's assistance in their situation. For Leah, her situation is she was the unloved wife. For Rachel, her situation was she was the lacking wife who cannot be a mother. Question is, how did God's sovereignty handle this situation? Our text today is a difficult text. I, I thought I could not make a message out of it, but praise God, he helped me, and let's see what would happen. Let's pray. You included the story, O oh God, about the rivalry of two sisters over one man in the story of the Bible. There's a part of my brain that says, why did you allow this? It's messy. But then we see that we may have meant things for our own selfish intentions and for wrong things, for wrong purposes. But you could use those things for your good, for our good and for your glory. So help us see that. And when you allow us to mess things up, that you have the power and the determination, even from that mess, bring something good out of it. Help us to see that. For you are our sovereign and almighty God. And as we look upon our church, we look upon our families, where there is competition going on, help us learn lessons from this fourth case of sibling rivalry in the very first book of the Bible called Genesis. In Christ's name. Let's talk about personalities today. First, let's talk about Leah, the elder sister. Remember, who was the one who was taking care of the sheep? Uh, the, the, the daughters. Remember who was, who was the daughter, who was the daughter of Laban that Jacob met on the well? It was Rachel. Why? Because Rachel was the younger. 
Remember David, when the prophet Samuel called the sons of Jesse, everyone was there except David because David was in the fields taking care of shepherd because he was the youngest. So sa Tagalog po, balagoong si Rachel because she was the youngest. Because Leah was the older, she had perhaps the privilege of staying at home. And I wonder if Leah was the first daughter of Laban that Jacob met, would he fell in love with Leah instead of Rachel? I don't think so because Genesis 29 verse 17 says that Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Now, Leah's eyes were weak. It, could it mean that he, she was cross-eyed? Or maybe one is bigger than the other. Maybe she had problem with her 20-20 vision. We don't know. But it says that compared to Rachel, Leah was not attractive. Perhaps this is the reason why Jacob, why Laban tricked Jacob into marrying Leah. Maybe as a father, Jacob was thinking, if I don't do this, no one will marry my, my eldest daughter. And so he did the trick. And so verse 31 says, When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened Leah's womb. Now we must understand that hated doesn't mean abuse. It did not mean that Jacob verbally or physically hurt Leah. It's Remember in the New Testament when Jesus says, Whoever does not hate his father or mother is not worthy to be my disciple. Jesus is using they to compare our love for him and our love for our families. He says, your love for me must be so strong that compared for your love to your loved ones, it's like hate. And so it means that Jacob loved Rachel a lot more than he loved Leah. That he gave Rachel more attention and affection more than Leah. So Jacob was fulfilling his marital duties to Leah, but his heart belonged to Rachel. Maybe Leah is to be blamed. Maybe Leah know about the plan of her father Laban. And when Laban told Leah, you know what, don't worry Leah, I'm going to switch you during the wedding day of Jacob. Really, Father? I'm going to have a husband? Maybe she knew it and she played along with it, but still, we know it is hard and painful to leave someone who does not love you. It is painful to leave someone who loves another more than you. And so in compassion, the Lord opened Leah's womb. She gave Jacob four sons, and out of the first four sons, two of them would play important roles in our faith. One is Levi, from whom the priest would come, and another was Judah, from whom the Lord Jesus would come. And so Leah got pregnant, and she named her firstborn son Reuben, which means see a son. It's like she's saying, Jacob, honey, see, I gave you a son. Would you love me? But Jacob still did not love him. She got pregnant again, and the second baby was named Simeon, which means one who hears, Jacob, God is hearing my prayer. Hear me too. And so she named her second-born son Simeon. The third name was Levi, which means attached. She was hoping that now that she has given Jacob three sons, 
that Jacob would be attached to her. And it seems that was not the case. The fourth son was Judah. Perhaps Leah says, okay, if you're not loving me, I will find my happiness in my children. And I'm going to praise God. I'm going to name my fourth child Judah, which means praise. After her fourth son, Leah stopped getting pregnant. Remember, she already gave Jacob four sons. But maybe, I don't know which came first, but maybe because it was a contest, right? It was a contest. So maybe when she saw that her sister gave the servant, so Leah also gave her servant to Jacob. Ano ka magpapatalo? Here, honey, here's my servant. Have children through her with me or for me. And then there was this incident when her oldest son, Reuben, found some mandrakes in the field. Now, during those days, mandrakes are like are called the love apple. It's a love potion, like an aprodisia. And so Rachel, she said, give me some of your son's mandrakes. And Leah made the hugot. She said, you have already taken my husband. Are you going to take my son's mandrakes too? And so they had a deal. Okay, I'll give you my son's mandrake, but I must have our husband for one night. So Leah got pregnant again. She was named Issachar, which means reward. This is my reward for my son's mandrakes. She got pregnant again and named her six sons Zebulun, which means honor. Leah, being the older sister, did not get the love that she longed for. She may have gotten a husband, but she was not satisfied. Isn't life like that? Sometimes we thought we have obtained what we wanted, but in the end we realize that we have not obtained what we really wanted. Sometimes we think, if I could only have him, if I can only have this, I will be happy. And then we got him or we got this, then we realize that we're not yet satisfied or happy. So be careful in pursuing your dreams because you're not sure that if you fulfill them, you would really be happy. We need the Lord. We need Him in everything that we desire, we desire and that we do. In fact, not only do blessings come from Him, even the enjoyment of His blessings also come from Him. That's the case of Leah, the older sister. Let's go now to Rachel, the preferred wife. It's quite similar with Rachel if you try to understand the story. She got the affection of her husband Jacob, but she got no children. She was the preferred wife, but she could not be the fulfilled mother. Look at what verse 1 says of chapter 30. says, when Rachel saw that her sister Leah bore children, now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. So here's the case. Leah envied Rachel because Rachel got the attention and affection of Jacob. But Rachel envied Leah because Leah got children and she got no children. Isn't life like that? There's always something missing. There's always something that makes life complete. And perhaps that is the case for everyone so that we will realize that this world is not our home and that nothing is perfect in life. That we need God to be satisfied and fulfilled. 
How many of you, if I could only get to Canada, I will be happy and satisfied. And you get to Canada. In the first few years, you were glad. I'm Canadian. But then you learn that life in Canada is not perfect. We need to learn. In our story, we find Rachel venting out his frustration to Jacob. Give me children, honey, or I shall die. Of course, if I was Jacob, why? Am I, am I God? <laughs> why are you blaming me? Are you women sometimes like that? Sorry for asking, you know. But Rachel vented her frustration to Jacob. He said, give me children or I will die, you know. And Jacob got angry. Jacob loved her. Imagine, realize that, remember. And yet she replied, he replied, am I in the place of God who has withheld you from you the foot of the womb? So what did Rachel did? She gave her servant Bilhah to Jacob so that she could have children with Jacob to her servant Bilhah. And so the firstborn, she named her firstborn son through Bilhah, Dan, which means God has judged her and heard her voice. You know, if I was in Rachel, maybe God is favoring my, my sister Leah. She's winning the contest. And then her servant got pregnant. Oh, I'll name her Dan, and God has heard my voice. The second son was named Naphtali, which means wrestling. Why? Because she was wrestling with her sister. The second, the name of the second son of Rachel tells us the reality of there is a contest between the two sisters. She named her second son Trubila Naphtali, which means wrestling because she was, she was having a wrestling match with her sister Leah. Oh, how sometimes people or members of the same family could be fighting and competing with each other. Now, verse 22 tells us of a wonderful thing that God did for Rachel. What happened to Rachel in verse 22? She got pregnant, you know. God listened to Rachel at last. After so many years, she got pregnant and she was happy. But was she really happy? She was not, did she say, praise the Lord at last, I have my own biological son. But it seems that she's just not happy. Why? Because she named her son Joseph, which means add. She wished she would have another son with Jacob. Do you get what I'm trying to drive at? God, she had the affection of her husband and attention. Now she has a biological child, her own child with Jacob, but she's still not satisfied. How do we know she's not satisfied? She named her firstborn biological son, Joseph, which means may the Lord add more sons. And that's what happened to competition. Perhaps she really wanted to win the contest with her sister. She wanted to come out on top and prove that she's the better wife and the better sister. Here's the sad thing. The Lord will grant Rachel her wish. But at a cost. Because later, while giving birth to her second son, whom she would name Ben-Oni, between son of my left hand, but Jacob would change to Benjamin, she died. She died while giving birth to her second biological son. She was not satisfied with having one son 
and the affection of her husband. She wanted another, maybe because to rub into her sister's face, I'm better than you. I'm winning the contest. And so she died while giving birth. Isn't life like that sometimes? Sometimes we thought that we have obtained what we want, but in the end we realize that we have not obtained what we really want. Sometimes we say, if I can only have this, I'll be happy. And then when we had that, we find out we're not really happy. Isn't that what Solomon found out when he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes? Solomon was the most powerful person in that region when Israel was a superpower. He had wealth, he had position, he had hundreds of wives and hundreds of concubines. He had a garden, he had projects. But when he wrote the book, this is what he said. Everything is meaningless. Vanity, vanity. Everything is vanity. We need the Lord. We need in Him everything that we desire and do. And He is infinitely better than the things He gives or does. For according to David, He is the one who makes known to us the path of life. In His presence there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forever. That's the thing about Rachel. Now let's go to Jacob. Was he a happy husband? We have a saying nowadays, happy wife, happy life. Is that true? It was the reverse for Jacob. Imagine two women are fighting for you. <laughs> Jacob, no. Jacob was being fought over by his two wives. These two women wanted to please him. These women were bearing children and having a contest as much as they could to win his affection. But was Jacob a happy husband? To some extent, it was not his fault. Uh, as far as the account of Genesis is concerned, he did not want to have two wives, remember? Uh, he only wanted Rachel. Rachel was his first love. And they say first love never dies. I don't know about that, but that's what they say. Uh, but his uncle tricked him. He ran away from home to escape his brother's wrath and find a wife. But he ended up having two wives, two concubines, a dozen sons, and one daughter. He grew up as a mama's boy. And I think he did not have the metal or the training to handle the situation. He was suddenly, suddenly became a husband to two wives and then a father to a dozen sons, and he didn't have the experience for it. It was a complicated situation. If I was in a situation, I also would not know what to do. When Rachel gave her maidservant to have children with her, he agreed. Honey, have baby with my servant. Okay, honey. When Leah gave her maidservant to have children with, her, with him, Jacob, have children with me again because I stopped getting pregnant. Okay. When Rachel gave her to Leah for some mandrakes, he agreed. He was being passed over by the two sisters. Add to this family situation the fact that he was virtually a servant of Laban. He was working for Laban and his wages are his wages for serving Laban was just the two daughters, food and lodging. He was living in his 
father-in-law's land, he must be living also in his father-in-law's house. He doesn't have a house of his own. He had nothing in Padan Aram that he could call his own. All that he had was a hundred miles away in Canaan. Add to the fact that he was away from home and he must be missing his mom because he was mama's boy and perhaps he also missed his dad. And he must have thought that maybe, okay, dad, mom, I'm going to Padam Aram to have a wife and I'll be back in two or three years. But it's been 20 years now and he has not yet seen the likes of his hometown, of his native land because his mother has not yet sent word that his older brother is no longer angry with him. Sometimes we thought that we have what we want, but in the end, we realized that we have not really obtained what we really want. Sometimes we think, if I could only have this or that, I would be happy. And then when I have this or that, we find it's still not enough. He wanted his father's blessings that he was willing to trick his brother and lie and connive with his mother. But did obtaining his father's blessing make a difference in Jacob's life? Of course, from looking at our story, if we look at Jacob's life from our past today, it seems it did not make a difference. But there's a good thing. God is still part of the equation. I think when Jacob was having a hard time, when he's confused and he does not know what to do, when he felt trapped by the family situation, I think if I was in Jacob's situation, I feel trapped. Do you sometimes feel trapped? You don't know what to do. You are caught between two rocks, you know, that are just banging on each other. You know, you're so stressed. You're under duress. You don't know what to do. I think what Jacob did was he remembered that night in Bethel when he had a dream of God and when God spoke to him, when he saw that ladder and angels going up and down and God on top of the ladder, and God said to him these words, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. That's why it's nice to have an encounter with God, an experience with the Lord. Because when life gets tough, when you feel trapped in a situation, be it at work and family, it's nice to know it will get better because I know that the Lord is real. He spoke to me. I felt His presence. He did something to me. We are not Jacob, but we belong to Christ. We may not be one of the patriarchs, but we are one of the Lord Jesus redeemed. And when you're having a hard time, and when you're confused and do not know what to do, when you feel trapped in whatever situation, remember what the Lord Jesus told you and promised you. He said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Fear not, little one, for you are of more value than sparrows. 
Fear not, for the Father is pleased to give you his kingdom. And then he said in John 10, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And we know of that Matthew 28 says, Behold, I am with you until the end of the age. What are lessons we could find from the story of a family contest? I have four lessons. Maybe you could have five or three, and I'll share to you, share to you what I learned first. There should be no competition in the family. There should be no competition in the church. We may sometimes hurt or disappoint each other, but we're still family. It is hard to forgive, but it is harder not to forgive. Second, when we do not trust God, we get insecure or jealous. And when we get insecure or jealous, we do stupid things. When we look for joy and peace from things or from people, we may have some pleasure in the beginning, but we will not have satisfaction. Only in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. God made us for himself, and our hearts will be restless until we find our rest in him. He made us in his image and likeness, and we will only find true joy when we seek joy in him. Third lesson I learned is, we do not have to prove anything to God or even to each other. We are all sinners. I'm a sinner. I have nothing to prove. May mga baho din po ako like you do. God has given us gifts according to His discretion or sovereign grace. I became a pastor not because I'm better than you, but you must have a pastor and He chose me. Not because I'm better. The same thing with you. Some of you have gifts. Some of you have fantastic gifts with music. You have those gifts not because you're good people. You deserve it. It's just God has to give gifts. And He chose to give those gifts to you. So there's nothing to boast. What did Paul says? What do you have that you did not receive? Thomas Laman said, Talent is God-given, so be thankful. Conceit is self-given, so be careful. There's no need to be arrogant. There's also no need to engage in self-pity because God loves you and He has blessed you with many. Let's accept ourselves as God has made us and given us, looking forward to Him bettering us in the future. But as Paul said in Philippians 3, for now, for us who's mature, let's be contented and rejoice in this. Fourth, God is sovereign. Out of the contest between Leah and Rachel would come 12 sons, and these sons will become the 12 tribes of Israel, the nation Israel. In our self-centeredness or pride or ignorance, we do foolish things. The good thing is God can use even those things for our good and for His glory. When He allows it, He has a purpose. It's a difficult passage of scripture. It's, we wish it's not part of scripture, Lord, the contest between Leah and Rachel, the contest in the family. But it's there and you allowed us to learn about it, study it for a purpose. We also learn, oh Lord God, that really we can have pleasures and momentary happiness from people and things, but in the end, the happiness will wear off 
and we'll get lonely and dissatisfied again. May we finally learn and realize that only in your presence there is fullness of joy, and that your right and our pleasure forever. That you are alone could make known to us the path of life. When you bless us with things, we will be thankful for those things and enjoy them. But help us not to place our dependence and our joy in those things. Because if we do, we might be sorry later. Thank you, Lord God, for being sovereign, that you overrule our wrong decision and our mistakes. And you could work them for your glory and for our good. I don't know, Lord God, what's in the minds of my brothers and sisters, but I pray that if I have said something that confused them, I pray that you do what's necessary. I, I, I just try to understand this passage uh, to the best of my understanding and knowledge of your word and prayer and of the Spirit, but I entrust to you to complete what is lacking, remove what is wrong, and fill up what is right. Bless your people, for they need to hear from you, they need to learn from you, and they need to find joy and satisfaction in you, no matter what the situation is. Bless his people, Lord. In Christ's name. Amen.